Now back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by James Gaddis Jewelers. To reveal the full spectrum of its dazzling color. Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Welcome back, everyone. 802 The Time, hour number two here on Sports 56 Mornings. Greg Gaston, Eli Savoy, Zach Boyd. We're in the Family Leisure Studios. Family Leisure, their floor model sale continues. 2120 Witten Road, just north of I-40. If you haven't been over there, check them out. Check them out this weekend if you can. Family Leisure. Currently, it is 34 degrees 53 for the high today. That is it. A cold final day of February. Slight chance of rain this afternoon at about 15%. Then the chances increase for tonight with rain showers early becoming a steady light rain overnight. We're looking at a low of 42. And then for your Friday, it looks like straight up clouds with about a 25% chance of precipitation. A high of only 55 on Friday. Weekend looks much better. 71 for a high on Saturday, partly sunny. And then Sunday, partly sunny as well, with a high of 75 degrees. Second hour of the program brought to you each and every day by our friends at James Gaddis Jewelers. They are your family's jeweler. 4,900 Poplar between Mendenhall and St. Nick and on the web at GaddisJewelers.com. They are full-service jewelers with two bench jewelers ready to serve you. All their diamonds are independently graded and certified. They know there's a lot of competition out there, and there certainly is, so they make sure they have a price point to suit everyone's budget. James is a Christian Brothers High School graduate. He's a Memphian through and through. So if you're looking for that special engagement ring, wedding ring, personally designed wedding sets, head on over, talk to James and the gang at James Gaddis Jewelers, but also for watches of all types, custom-made jewelry, gemstones, bracelets, necklaces, earrings, pendants, plus that one-of-a-kind estate and vintage jewelry. They'll buy your gold, silver, and diamonds at James Gaddis Jewelers. Give you a great price. He's a certified appraiser. So if you need something appraised, just head on over there. And, of course, you purchase jewelry from James Gaddis Jewelers. They're taking care of that jewelry throughout the life of that jewelry. So 20 years from now, you need a cleaning, bring it on over to James Gaddis Jewelers. You bought it there. They're going to take care of it for you. That's the kind of people they are, that one-on-one that you don't get at the big box stores. You get it at James Gaddis Jewelers, part of the Memphis fabric for decades. 4,900 Poplar between Mendenhall and St. Nick and on the web at GaddisJewelers.com. All right, so, uh, oh, I wanted to bring this up. You're a fan of Curb, right? You watch Curb Your Enthusiasm, don't you? I do. Bad news yesterday, sad news. Richard Lewis died. That's unfortunate. <laughs> you really get hit hard by these deaths, don't you? <laughs> I don't know Richard Lewis at all. Like, what, am I supposed to cry? Because he, no, no, I mean, he's I mean, how old? No, you're supposed to at least say, man, you know, that's sad. Richard Lewis was older, yes, but he was funny as hell, man. Back in his heyday, he was a great stand-up. Great stand-up. And he played with that dry sense of humor, that character on Curb Your Enthusiasm through all those years. In fact, even this year, obviously they taped, uh, I don't know, a year ago probably for this year's final episodes and final season of Curb Your Enthusiasm. But yeah, I just, uh, I was saddened by that. Anything, look. I can't go on. I can't finish the show. Oh, be quiet. Anytime, you know, somebody, well, Come on, man. I'm 62. I'll be 63 this year. You start to get up there in age. You start to move, you start to see guys around you. Maybe not your contemporaries. He was 76, maybe something like that. But certainly, um, you know, you see that and it just jolts you every time. So, but it really jolts you when people are young and, and, and pass away. But he died of a heart attack uh, at his house uh, in California, Richard Lewis. Uh, all right. Um, I want to talk some NFL. 
And we have the combine going on. We know that Caleb Williams is not throwing. I don't believe Jaden Daniels is throwing. And I don't think Drake May is throwing. So you have guys like J.J. McCarthy who are trying to help their stock. I know what Jim Harbaugh has said about J.J. McCarthy. Of course he's going to say it. It was his quarterback. And they want a natty. But that was a run-oriented team. Doesn't mean he can't throw the ball. But their DNA was running the football and playing defense. So I don't know a lot about McCarthy because you don't get to see him or you didn't get to see him a lot. I know that Michael Penix is somebody I like a lot, although he had a bad championship game. Michigan stymied him. He's had injuries he's had to overcome. But he's an interesting guy. Bo Nix, who went from Auburn out to Oregon and put up some huge numbers. I believe he's thrown at the combine. I could be mistaken. All these guys will throw at their pro days, their respective pro days. But I think now, even though Chicago's general manager kind of danced around the question a couple of days ago, I think it's pretty much written in stone now that they're going to be looking for a trade with Justin Fields, and they are absolutely drafting Caleb Williams. Do you have? Do you disagree with that? Uh, I think that's the most likely scenario. I I think it's signed, sealed, delivered. But again, he, you know, general managers always concern themselves with saying something appropriate publicly about not wanting to ruffle the feathers of anyone and certainly do the best thing they can do for the player they're going to trade. You know what? You do the best thing you can do for you, for your team. You don't worry about the feelings of that player. You say thank you for your service and you move on. I I started to really like Justin Fields more as that season progressed last year. I thought he had a strong finish, but three years, his numbers are putrid. I mean, he's at the bottom of just about every category with the exception of rushing touchdowns. And when you can get a guy like Caleb Williams, you go for it. Now, on the same token, when I listen to, again, the so-called experts, I'm using the air quotes here if you can't see me, that Drake May, according to guys like Tim Hasselbeck and some others, feel that he is a generational, here we go again, the term generational quarterback. Best quarterback prospect he's seen in 10 years. He likens him to Josh Allen. Drake May, if you look at mocks, some have him slipping into, you know, number two, but a lot of them have him three behind Jaden Daniels. So I don't know if, which way that's going to go. I don't know if the top three are looking for quarterbacks. I'm looking right now at, NFL.com and Daniel Jeremiah, NFL Network, and his mock, Caleb Williams, Drake May, and then you go down to all the way to sixth for Jaden Daniels to the New York Football Giants, which brings up the question, what are they doing with Daniel Jones, who in three years has gotten hurt every year and some serious injuries? Do the Giants go quarterback? They certainly could. Um, They're paying Daniel Jones. I don't know what all the ramifications would be and what they could do with Daniel Jones um, as far as that is concerned. Um, But, you know, there certainly is a decision to be made whether you believe Daniel Jones is your, uh, is the guy or not. Um, One, can he stay healthy? Two, even if he is healthy, is he good enough? So um, if you really love one of these quarterbacks, 
certainly um, wouldn't be a crazy thing to do. The you know, I I'm not nearly as high on Drake May, um, but I mean my I don't certainly don't uh, don't make a living as an assessor of quarterback talent in the NFL. So I but I don't look for and I did watch a, every North Carolina game by any means. Um, I think Drake Bay under pressure uh, makes some really bad throws at times and panics. Um, but again, he could end up being a great quarterback at the at the NFL level. I just wouldn't. I would take him. Uh, I certainly would take both Williams and Daniels over him. I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I look. I think he's certainly capable of being a really good NFL quarterback. It's certainly a crapshoot every time. Um, a player is selected, but especially a quarterback. There are some some that seem to be can't-miss prospects that come through. You knew Peyton Manning was going to be good, uh, but there are others that you're, just, you're not sure, and you roll the dice. And Drake May is a guy that I'm with you 100% the way um, you just gave us your thoughts on, on what he did at North Carolina. He was inconsistent at times. Man, he would throw a bullet down the field. And then other times he got happy feet, although he's a big guy. Uh, Caleb Williams just seems to be the right guy. Jaden Daniels, the way he came on, I would take both of them as well before I took Drake Drake May. Do not trust North Carolina quarterbacks. Oh, stop it with the Mitch Trubisky. Don't compare him to Mitch Trubisky. I know what you're doing. That's Sam Howell, too. (laughs) Well, Sam Howell, the, the, the jury's not out on Sam Howell yet. The jury's not it. You got to give Sam Howell a little bit more. I mean, his at times this year, playing for this past season, playing for the Commanders, a horrible football team. He looked good. Other times, he looked horrible. He, he was in a terrible situation. Like he, he was. I mean, the, the dude got darn near killed basically every time he went back to pass. So he was in a bad situation. Now, do I think he's going to end up being a good NFL quarterback? No. I mean, he can have a long career as a backup, whatever. I don't think that he's a starter necessarily, but he was in a horrendous situation with Washington. Do you have more faith year. in Sam Howell or Kenny Pickett? Uh, Kenny Pickett. Do you really? Yes. I don't I don't I don't have any faith in either, but I have more faith in Sam Howell than, than Kenny Pickett. But in this mock, again, I'm looking at one mock, there's a billion mocks. JJ McCarthy, eighth to Atlanta. Raheem Morris the other day, the new Falcons coach, replacing Arthur Smith. I love any coach or player out there who shoots from the hip. I am never going to criticize. I Look, Patino got clobbered for what he said. I don't mind whatsoever. I don't mind. And that's why I love with Penny. Penny shoots from the hip most of the time, right? It's not coach speak. He speaks his mind. He's honest. You ask him a question, he'll tell you. He's not holding back. Raheem Morris, and he's right. He talked about the Falcons quarterback situation. They're desperate. Desmond Ritter was not good. So they could very well try to move up and maybe grab a Drake May or possibly even a Jaden Daniels, depending on if Washington is set in their ways. Or they'll just take a quarterback at eight, and then you get the pick of those other guys. McCarthy, Knicks, Penix. I like Penix as far as those guys are concerned. But again, I understand the the injury history with him. But J.J. McCarthy, I just don't – I haven't seen enough of him in just my little opinion to make an opinion about him being 
a good NFL quarterback when we just didn't see him throw the ball. Yes, certainly at times he had to make some throws, and he did. I thought Michigan, which was a great team, played a lot of inferior competition. So most of the time it was just run the ball, play defense. I, I don't know about McCarthy, but he seems to be doing well so far as uh, when it comes to uh, showcasing his goods at the combine, but also the interviews and things of that nature. And people fall in love with that stuff. So I just don't know. This mock, uh, again, has four quarterbacks in the first round. And that's probably going to be that number, right? Four and a half will probably be the Vegas number as far as quarterbacks chosen in the first round of the NFL draft. But not only do you have what's going on with the combine and the draft, you have free agents out there. What's going on with Kirk Cousins? Will he return to Minnesota? Mentioned already the situation with the Giants. Will they take a quarterback to replace Daniel Jones? We know that Arizona has come out and blasted it from the top of the mountain that Kyler Murray is their guy, so they're not making a move. But there's going to be a lot of interesting movement with quarterbacks this year and the possibility of trades when you're talking about a guy like Justin Fields, who I think Atlanta will go after, although you've heard the rumors uh, about some other teams. And then the rumors are out there with Pittsburgh. We just talked about Kenny Pickett. Mason Rudolph is a solid backup. That's all he is. And the Trubisky experiment, that's over now as they let him go. But Russell Wilson is the rumor there being dealt from Denver to Pittsburgh. I could see that happening. Russell Wilson, there's no way he's back in Denver. There's no way he's playing for Sean Payton. But I, I still think Russell Wilson at a much, much, much smaller contract than what Denver gave him still has something left in the tank. He had, a, he had a decent year last year. He had some pretty good numbers. I still think he's a cerebral quarterback. He can still make some throws, not like he did. He's past his prime, but I don't think he's washed up. Uh, I don't think he's completely washed up. He's nowhere near what he was. Um, could he help a team like Pittsburgh? Yeah, he probably, probably could. Um, I think anywhere getting, getting him into an offense where you're not relying on him to really go win you the games. Like, you know, Pittsburgh has a good running game uh, with Najee Harris, right. Jalen Warren. They've got some good weapons. Um, I think bringing him into that could very could work out. They've got, you know, they've always relied on defense at Pittsburgh, all of that stuff. So um, it, 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 that might be a good situation to get the most out of Russell Wilson at this point in his career. And again, who knows? Maybe they're they're sold on giving Pickett a, a, another opportunity. He got hurt. Uh, maybe they want to see more from Kenny Pickett. It's just that we live in a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately world where you give these – it used to be quarterback comes in, grabs the clipboard, puts a visor on, sits on the side – or stands on the sideline for three seasons and then is ready to get his opportunity. It's a whole different ballgame now. These guys are thrown right into the fire. Some sink, some swim. But with Pickett, he was thrown into the fire. Didn't have ample opportunity. I, I still am not high on Kenny Pickett. I'm not at all. But maybe they are where they want to give him an opportunity uh, to really play a full season if it's even possible and not go for a move with Russell Wilson. Obviously, in my opinion, it's a better move for Mike Tomlin and company to bring in a veteran like Russell Wilson because they have a good team. 
We saw it at the end of last year as they made the run to get into the playoffs. They don't have a great team, but they have a good team, and they get into the playoffs, and they're not able to do anything really from an offensive standpoint throwing the ball. If teams were keying on Harris in that running game, then they stopped Pittsburgh. Well, I don't know. I think that Pittsburgh, you know, absolutely should be looking at the quarterback position. I don't think it should just be, hey, Kenny Pickett's our guy. I think they have to look and see what the options are um, to bring somebody in to, to compete and you'll possibly take over that job, um, depending on the price and all of that stuff. Obviously, with the salary cap going up $30 million, that helps all of these teams. I mean, it's a unprecedented jump in the salary cap. So there are there's more money out there than teams thought. Now, still, some teams are in still very bad situations when it comes to the cap, but a $30 million increase in the cap uh, changes a lot of perspective on some of these uh, positions. No question about it. Uh, from the college football world right here in Memphis, uh, it was reported yesterday by several outlets that Sean Dawkins is leaving the Ryan Silverfield coaching staff to take a similar job with the University of Cincinnati. Spring ball just a couple of weeks away. So Ryan Silverfield will have to find a replacement for Sean Dawkins, who in a few years did a real nice job with the running game. Um, and, and this year with a, a new running back in uh, Anderson that joins the fold with Sutton Smith and company. Um, Ryan, I'm sure, will get somebody in here pretty quickly uh, to take over that position. They've had a lot of success with running back coaches over the years because they've also had a lot of success with running backs. It's been certainly a, a plus and a positive as far as positions are concerned uh, for the University of Memphis. All right, we'll take a timeout. When we come back, we're talking all things Ole Miss. David Johnson will join us from 24-7 Sports. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Broadcasting from the Family Leisure Studio, we are Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now, back to Sports 56 Mornings. Isn't it a lovely morning? On Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour brought to you by James Gaddis Jewelers. Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Welcome back, everyone. 824 is the time. We're talking Ole Miss in just a second with David Johnson during our break, watching ESPN, and they're on the Russell Wilson theme right now. We were just talking about that. 26 touchdown passes, only eight interceptions last year before he was benched the final two seasons. So, again, you get him at a good price in a trade where – I still think he has a little left uh, in the in the tank. Uh, I think it could help a contender like the Pittsburgh Steelers. In the meantime, I was reading this during the break. Sport Rack, which is a a site, um, an NFL site, I believe it is, projects a four a salary site. Yes, yeah, sal- they, they yeah. do salaries. Yeah, so a four year projection for uh, Tua Tagovailoa's contract extension for two hundred and twenty million dollars. That's what they project. He'll be able to get four years, $220 million. So Captain Math will tell you that's $55 million a year for Tua Tungvaloa, who put up incredible numbers. I, I want to say he was the leading passer yardage-wise, maybe in the NFL, but at least in the AFC. $55 million per season? Is that the going rate, Al Eli, for quarterbacks? My gosh. Yeah. 
Especially with this $30 million with increase. With a $30 million increase, right? Again, that's why I would draft to do it every four years, five years. $55 million per season. Again, that's the projection. Well, as promised, it's time to talk Ole Miss Rebels basketball, football, maybe even a little baseball with David Johnson, who covers Ole Miss for 247 Sports and CBS Sports. You can follow him on Twitter at Rebels247. Hey, David. Hey, guys. How are y'all? Doing fantastic. Uh, we were talking earlier in the show in hour one about the game last night at the Pavilion. Ole Miss, for a while there, looked like they were in control. Then Alabama put it into another gear and won going away. I was saying going into the games against South Carolina and Alabama, I thought the Rebels had to win one of those two. I know nothing is etched in stone whether or not they're in or out at this point. There's just too much more to play as far as games are concerned. But I think that was a, a rough loss last night that will hurt them when it comes to trying to make it as an at-large in the NCAA tournament. Uh, there, there's no doubt. I mean, they, they've got to win and uh, put a win streak together. The three remaining regular season games at Missouri, at Georgia, home against Texas A&M. I, I mean, I think they'll be favored to win all three of those. Um, and then it's what happens in Nashville. And you know they're get, they've got to win at least two games in the SEC tournament, I think, to get in. And that loss, uh, you know, a bad loss. But yeah, there are no good losses. But that one last night, particularly at home, uh, yeah, that was that was kind of devastating. So the way I see it um, at this moment, and you're right, <clears throat> you know, there's so many other factors uh, that that go into everything. But <clears throat> I think. Uh, I think Ole Miss has got to win five in a row to get to the NCAA tournament. What, um, in in your opinion, what has been the biggest issue in this stretch where they've lost six out of seven? Yeah, you know, it, it's hard to pinpoint. I mean, because, you know, you look at it last night, the scorers scored. Alan Flanagan, I think, had 26 points. Uh, Jamin Brakefield played well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the question is, you know, where was the defense last night? Um Alabama really just kind of put on an offensive clinic in the second half. And, um, you know, you, you just got to tighten up. I mean, if I'm Chris Beard, that's what I'm telling my guys. You know, you got to plug all the leaks, tighten all the, the bolts, and uh, and buckle down. And you got to start winning games. And, and, again, I think they've got to end the season on a five-game win streak to get in the tournament. Four in a row puts them back on the bubble. Unfortunately, you know, Missouri, Georgia, Texas A&M, none of those are going to do much in terms of your net ranking. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, they're, they're going to have to do it in Nashville. And uh, if you like drama, you've got it. If you're an old Miss <laughs> fan, the rest of the way. Well, there always seems to be some drama um, with, with Ole Miss, and, and there was a little bit of drama in the offseason with the hiring of Chris Beard. Uh, we know how good a coach he is, X's and O's guy, game planning. Um, certainly, yeah. it showed early in the year, and it's just been a, a rough run here the last uh, couple weeks. But overall, David, you, what were your expectations going into this season? We were talking about this earlier. I can't imagine that in, in the first year for Chris Beard at Ole Miss that the expectations were really high. I, did you expect him to go to the dance? Yeah, I did. You, you did? Um, okay. Uh, you, you know, Chris Beard, you know, he, he doesn't hold anything back. I mean, he was at SEC Media Days, and he says, we're here to win, and we're here to win now, and we're not going to apologize for that. 
Um, and when you look at the pieces he brought in through the portal and, you know, traditional recruiting over the, over the offseason, you know, you realize this team had a chance. And you knew they were going to be well coached. So, uh, yeah, I, I 100% thought they were going to the NCAA tournament. And I got to tell you, I mean, I, I really think they, they've got the capability of making it there on this last day of February. Um, but, you know, they've got to tighten up the bolts, batten down the hatches, if you will, and then they've got to go on a win streak. They've got to get uh, Juju Murray to, I guess, get his Juju back because <laughs> yeah. he is <laughs> – yeah. That's what, to me, that's the thing. In the six losses in these seven games – He's three for twenty-seven from three-point range, and early in the year he was. Heck, he's still shooting forty percent from three, even with that stretch. That's how good he was early in the year. He was up you know, near fifty percent. But and I don't know if it's that defenses have changed because of the fact that he was shooting it so well. He didn't come in with that reputation as a guy that we had to defend necessarily at the three-point line. So I don't know if defenses have changed or whatever. But for whatever reason, he's really struggling at the three-point line, and that puts a lot of pressure on Morrell and Flan and these other guys because. They're short, kind of that one extra score. Yeah, you know, what you do certainly matters in terms of how you defend him. But, you know, the thing that's easy to gloss over and not pay much attention to is who is defending him. And, uh, you know, he's he's went up against some quality defenders, mm-hmm. uh, you know, over the last several games. And uh, obviously it's affecting his percentage. Um, you know, I think fans often like to think, well, what's going on in his head? Something, something we, you know, not, not clicking. But, uh, you know, you, you, you look at how people are playing him and who is playing him. And, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of the reason, if you ask me. What do you think the um, impact Chris will have on the recruiting trail? We know what he has done in his career, and we yeah. know that now we're in an age of uh, transfer portal. Uh, do you think this will be a, a mixture moving forward of getting players out of high school, junior college ranks, and the portal? Or you think will it will he be he- portal heavy? What, what do you think his philosophy is as far as that? And how does it look already for twenty twenty four twenty five? Yeah, that's that's the thing. You know, this is year one of Chris Beard in Oxford, and he has electrified this program. Uh, you know, I don't know if you guys have gotten to the pavilion for any games or watched anything on TV, but, you know, Beard, is he's come in and he's like, I'm going to coach these fans too. I'm going to teach them how to be fans. And everybody's excited about it. Uh, you know, he, he, he does his YouTube chats with everybody. He's had Lane Kiffin on. He even had Andy Kennedy on. Uh, <laughs> That's you, interesting. You know, uh, if you haven't watched that, I no, encourage the, you. To they, do. Those the, the, could, those things are absolutely outstanding. The fireside, oh, the fireside chats are yeah. are great. The Kennedy, yeah. I I actually like the Kennedy one better. I think than the the Lane one, but they, they are fantastic. Oh, you, you know, and kudos to Chris Beard for asking him, but kudos to Andy Kennedy for doing it. You're right. Um, mm-hmm. You know that 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 took some big ones and, and he did. And, and that was just great uh, content, great entertainment. But, you know, Beard has embraced this fan base and the fan base has embraced him. I mean, they're packing the pavilion out. It is now a difficult place to come in and win. So, you know, congrats to Alabama for doing that last night. But, um, you know, as far as recruiting goes, he's going to go get what he needs. That's what he's going to do. And recruiting has been successful. I mean, he recently had a five-star high school kid 
on campus. He's got a McDonald's All-American committed. Uh, I, I think this is a tease year for what's coming. Ole Miss is going to be relevant on the national basketball scene. It's it's, it's interesting because obviously he you know he is very big. He, and every coach now, but he really talks about you know building the culture, which. I mean, frankly, just really hasn't been there, uh, you know, in basketball at all right. very much. And, you know, the, with the students, with the fireside chats, all this stuff, he has certainly, you know, energized that student body. I was there last night for the Alabama game. Again, the students are out there packing that place. They are into it, everything else. Um, you know, and it was, you know, telling that, that Bruce Pearl talked about the fact that, you know, what took him three years to do at Auburn, Chris Beard has basically done in one year at Ole Miss in energizing people, building that culture. So, you know, it, if, if, you know, you could, if he can continue on that path, it seems like, um, they, there, there should be some good days ahead because heck he's won everywhere he's been. And, and now he seems to have the, the, you know, the backing and, and certainly with an AD who is a basketball player at yeah. the school, everything else, it, it seems like the parts are there for that, them to have what could be unprecedented success for Ole Miss basketball. Yeah, really and truly. I, I mean, if you look across the board, this may be the best roster of head coaches Ole Miss has ever had. Uh, you know, Chris Beard steering the men's program. You let Maxie McEwen coach Yo uh, with the women's program. She's she's just as passionate mm-hmm. as Beard. She's very engaging. Uh, Lane Kiffin, of course, with the football program. Uh, Mike Bianco, you know, two years removed from winning a national title in baseball. Uh, and, and look, I mean, even in track, Connie Price-Smith has their track team ranked number six in the country. Uh, I mean, this is a great group of coaches. And, you know, kudos to Keith Carter. because, And you mentioned former basketball player, but Keith has been instrumental in, in hiring, you know, Lane Kiffin, Chris Beard, uh, and, and, and then working with Coach Yo and Mike Bianco, um, uh, it, it's just a good time to be an Ole Miss Rebel. It's it's funny though that you mentioned Mike Bianco because uh, this is just the world of coaching and everything else. He said two years from a national championship, but uh, I went to the Hawaii with the team. They come back. They didn't play well at Hawaii. They go two and two, and I'm, I start talking to some Ole Miss people, and they're already talking about how people want Mike Bianco fired again. It's like, it's, yeah, like man, yeah. it, that College World Series doesn't get you very far, apparently anymore. No, you know, you know, and, and you know, we, we, I did a podcast earlier this morning, and I went back and I looked at the 2022 season and who they lost to early on, and I was actually at Swayze the night. Southeast Missouri came in here and beat them like a drum, like 13-3. to And if you had told me then, in just a couple of weeks, Ole Miss would be crowned national champions and beat (laughs) Oklahoma in the national title game, I never would have believed it. And baseball, I mean, Eli, you know this well. I mean, it's it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. (laughs) Absolutely. And and there's so many parts and pieces that early on you've got to refine your lineup and know who you can depend on and you know i'm not upset at all about uh losing the high point um it's baseball it's going to happen hey if i'm not mistaken that year they won the natty people were calling for his head then i mean they, they, they was, were. that was 
that was the win it all or get fired year. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, exactly. And, and like last year was a down year. Everybody knows that. Like it was just that was a that was nowhere near the norm. But it was just like that's the thing. Like as you said, like one series into this season, people are like, "Oh my gosh, it's terrible." Like, it's it's one. It's four games uh, halfway around the yeah. world, basically, and like I, I, I what, with a, a basically an entirely new lineup. Like you may want to just let it play out a little bit before you overreact. Yeah, and 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 okay, so Eli, you went to Hawaii. All right, who's who's to say Hawaii is not going to be a really good baseball team? Exactly. I mean, West Coast teams like that, and I mean, I know they're not West Coast; they're out in the Pacific Ocean, but. You know, you never discount those teams. They've got and, a coach who's and, won 1,100 games in his career. He clearly knows something about it. He's only been there this his third year. Like, they might very well be a really good team. Exactly. And, you know, so, I don't know, fans are fans. And, you know, I think with college ball, we start seeing fans acting more like uh, pro fans. Like, uh, mm-hmm. maybe, no maybe question. you know, now, nowadays with, with the players getting NIL money and things like that, um, the, the, the personal uh, affection, I suppose, is no longer there. Not 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 with a lot of people. Um, and, 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 you know, my view is skewed by, you know, I run a message board. So I see all the comments and things like that. But, you know, it, it's, uh, it, it, it's way too early to start uh, discounting the Ole Miss baseball team right now. Right, and, and to your point, they they expect the athletes to perform and to perform at a high level and to consistently perform at a high level. David Johnson is joining us. He covers Ole Miss for two four seven Sports and CBS Sports. You can follow him on Twitter at Rebels two four seven. And maybe another reason why you know the fan experience is a little bit different and maybe a little soured because of what is happening with the NIL. We have the announcement the other day of Jackson Dart, the Ole Miss quarterback. Uh, inking an NIL deal with Nicholas Air, where he can travel anywhere at any time, I guess. I mean, absolutely yeah. crazy. Uh, Connor O'Gara from Saturday Down South said this is right now the best, the number one NIL, NIL deal that has been signed to this point by any collegiate athlete. Yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty sweet. You know, and Nicholas Air is based right here in Oxford. So, you know, I guess Jackson Dart could leave class, go home to his dorm room, call him up, and you know, fly out and have dinner with his mom in Utah right? and be back the next day. Um, <laughs> it's a hell of an Uber. Uh, that is one hell of an yeah, Uber. I, I mean, that's heady stuff. And, and you know, I, I, I tease my son, Eli, all the time. Uh, you know, he, he just missed the NIL deal. And, uh, <laughs> you know, before all that came along, and uh, I'm like, man, how much did you miss? And he's like, well, I probably could have got a six-pack somewhere or maybe a slap of wood. But, you know. It's a it's a crazy world, and, and and look, covering recruiting, talking to these recruits. Oh my God, you know, um, and you want to ask them, hey, have you talked to them about NIL yet? But in my industry, it, it, it's honestly still kind of kind of dirty um, if you're if you're asking kids about sure, money. Sure. Or, you know, that's uh, and and I'm kind of a little conflicted about that because. There's a five-star running back, and Ole Miss wants him, and Alabama wants him. Money is a factor. Mm-hmm. And, Huge uh, factor. Yeah, and kids don't want to talk about it. I don't think the schools particularly want us talking about it, but it is a factor. It's there. By the way, very nice of you to name your son after Savoy. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, Eli Savoy, how old are you? Well, I'm 49. Uh, yeah, see, so, so he was 24 when my Eli was born, and I was like, yeah, man, I'm going to go with this Savoy guy. Because when the name Eli comes up around Ole Miss, I'm the one they think of always. I, there, there's, listen, never, I, there's never been another Eli around Ole Miss at all before that, that's for yeah, sure. Yeah, Eli and Ole Miss doesn't associate, but, you know, it's, it's kind of funny. Eli, my Eli was born in 1998, and that's uh, when Eli Manning was uh, all the rave. You know, he was coming from Newman High School in New Orleans to Ole Miss. But uh, so I always got accused of naming him after Eli Manning. But he, his mother's great grandfather was Elijah, and hmm. uh, I had to I had to sell his mom on that. I did name him after Eli Manning, but his mom named him after his great grandfather. <laughs> so, you know, that's a that's a long story. And now he's he's the uh, he is now the youngest offensive coordinator in America in the Division One level at Mississippi Valley State at 25 years Good old. Good for him. So, That's uh, awesome. Yeah. He, well, it's uh, it's a job, yeah, <laughs> and it's a that. start. It's he, a start. Right? Eli Manning. Now, it's there's a an, that, Eli Manning. There's a guy who might have made a little bit in NIL if it had been around at the time. Oh my gosh! Are you kidding me? I mean, all these guys that came through: Deuce McAllister. Uh, oh, yeah. Terrence Metcalf, Michael Warren. I mean, now it wasn't called in the uh, NL, NIL back then, <laughs> uh, but you know things existed. We all know that. But um, yeah, I mean it, it's crazy now with what the money these guys are bringing in. And I get it from a fan's perspective. We're paying you. I want to see you perform, and I want mm-hmm. results. Mm-hmm. Uh, but. You know, it's a, it's a little more complicated than that. David, real quick before we let you go, what uh, when does uh, spring football begin, and is there a, a storyline you're looking forward to uh, viewing, watching uh, as the spring practice progresses? Yeah, March 19th is the date that uh, has been whispered in my ear that uh, the Rebels will come back off spring break. Storylines for me, offensive line. You know, they go out and they sign two of the five starters off Washington's offensive line wow. that won the Joe Moore Award. They're in Oxford now. They signed uh, Gerquan Scott, who played at Southern Miss, who was the starter. Diego Pounds at North Carolina, uh, their starting right tackle, all in Oxford to mix in with four, four returning starters here. So I want to see what the O-line does. And then the defense as a whole, um, Particularly the defensive line and the linebackers, I, I think uh, I think they're going to be much improved. All right, Dave. We'll hopefully be able to check back with you as uh, the spring session progresses. He covers Ole Miss for two four seven Sports and CBS Sports and does a great job. He's David Johnson. Follow him on Twitter at Rebels two four seven. Thank you as always, David. All right, thanks guys. Appreciate it. Take care. Folks, it's uh, breakfast time for many out there. You might be thinking about grabbing a bite to eat on the way to work or whatever that might be. Well. Head on over to Sunrise on your way in. Pop on in there. Maybe grab you one of those biscuit sandwiches to take with you. You could go to sunrise901.com, order online for pickup to make it very easy for you to pop in, grab your food, and be on your way. But those biscuit sandwiches with their homemade square biscuits made right there in-house or maybe one of their breakfast bowls or the kitchen sink or one of their maybe the Three Amigos tacos, all of those great items on the breakfast menu. Of course, lunchtime as well. They can take good care of you with all their sandwiches and salads and 
Great items on the lunch menu. My favorite on the lunch menu is the French dip. You can find it all at the original at 670 Jefferson Avenue or at Sunrise East. That's on Poplar Avenue in East Memphis. Breakfast and lunch, no better place than Sunrise. We'll take a quick time out, come back with our final segment here in hour number two. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Be sure to follow us at Sports 56 WHBQ on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube to watch live video of our shows, stay up to date with station events, and have chances to win prizes. Don't miss out on anything that's going on. Follow us at Sports 56 WHBQ. Now back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by James Gaddis Jewelers. Genuine diamonds, baby. Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. One of the biggest names in sports, really just biggest names in entertainment in the world, the one and only Shohei Otani. Ladies, he's off the market. Shohei announced this morning on Instagram that he recently got married. To all my friends and fans throughout, I have an announcement to make, translated, of course, from his native Japanese. Not only have I began a new chapter in my career with the Dodgers, but I also have began a new life with someone from my native country of Japan who is very special to me, and I wanted everyone to know I am now married, and I am excited for what is to come, and thank you for your support. He would go on to say, basically, and I'm paraphrasing here, leave us alone. Don't don't bother trying to get interviews with her or find out about. And of course, in Japan, he's like the biggest name since sliced bread. So, uh, yeah, he signed a 10-year record-setting $700 million contract. I would imagine there'd be a few, uh, you know, what do they call them, gold diggers out there waiting for Shohei after games in L.A. May still happen, but he's married now. The uh, from the I guess the file of your you don't really have to treat your players well to win. The NFL did the has the Players Association has released their second annual report card, which ranks teams on, in various categories based on player surveys. Mm-hmm. And the Kansas City Chiefs finished thirty first. Yeah, I saw that. The Chiefs finished, and this is great. So they this year they added head coach in there. And the Chiefs finished first in head coach. And they still finished 31st overall. They finished 26th in food slash cafeteria, 31st in nutritionist slash dietitian, 31st in training room, and 32nd in training staff. So apparently you don't have to take that good a care of your players to win in the NFL. Was there also a category that dealt with the owner? Yes. Where Clark Hunt was at the bottom. Yes. But speaking of the player survey, they just released their wide receiver like a couple of days ago. Who? Kansas City. They released uh, Marquez Valdez. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, they did? I didn't even know that. But that was, yeah, that's a money, money related thing. But like it's like Washington was last. Like you go, okay, like. That all makes sense. But, but they clean house with new uh, ownership. But for Kansas City to be 31st in that. Wow, that's hard to believe. crazy. I mean, again, like you would think like those things would have some 
bearing. Like if you're if if you're not feeding your guys well, your training's ter- training staff's terrible, your training room, all this facility, all this stuff is terrible. You would think that might have a direct effect. Now maybe that's why they weren't as good during the regular season. I don't know, but they won the Super Bowl, so clearly all that stuff isn't that important. Yeah, I was reading where they had. I think it's like some kind of child. You know, they have child care. For families of players, you know, if they the wife wants to go to the game, you know, they watch the children, right? They take first class all the way. Supposedly, it's not even on site. Like, they have to go somewhere else for the workers, whoever they are, to watch these kids. And that it is very expensive. Instead of it being free for the players, it's expensive. They have to pay for it. So, um, yeah, just little things like that all add up. The... Um and they talk about like the part one of the reasons for doing this is to let teams know like what players think and changes you can make. Arizona, they say after last year, stop charging players for meals, um, change the floors and the equipment in the weight room, added a small family gathering room for game days as well. So like they're like they took the feedback and implemented things. Like, oh, they don't like this. The Bengals, this is funny though. The Bengals last year were criticized for not providing players with three meals a day. So this year, they offered three meals on Wednesdays. (laughs) (laughs) So drastic changes by the Bengals in response to last year's player survey. They're like, you know what? We've heard you, we respect your opinion. Wednesdays it is. Slap it, Joe Wednesday. Wednesdays, you got us. <laughs> Maybe this year they'll go for Thursdays. I don't know. Uh, but but last year they were able to uh to to get get Wednesdays out of the Cowboys actually tumbled. Uh Jacksonville made the biggest leap. Jacksonville went from number twenty eight to number five. Um but they also opened a brand new training facility. So it would make sense that that's going to upgrade you. Cowboys went from fifth down to twelfth. Um, they were they had really bad grades on their training staff uh, because players say they do not have enough trainers, so they took a big hit in training. But again, you can't take a much bigger hit than what the Chiefs took in training. Again, they won the Super Bowl, <laughs> so it, again, it's clearly it doesn't. There's not like this direct correlation here, so you can't be like, ah, see, that's why we didn't win. Super Bowl champions finished 31st in this thing. Wow. Yeah, I saw that yesterday and a little bit surprised by that. Because, look, players want to win. They want to be paid, right, for their services. They want to win, but they also want to go through their tenure with a team being treated like kings, like they should be, right? Especially in an organization and where they have given them so much positivity and success, you would think the Hunts and the rest of the people that run the Chiefs would be willing to bend over backwards for these players. And this this one, this blew my mind. That this There are still teams. I had no idea. Uh, there are still teams that require younger players to room together yes. the night before games. Yes, there are. That That is mind-boggling to me. In a multi 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 million a billion dollar industry where these teams are worth five six seven billion dollars and you're asking guys to room together 
This is this is a little bit off the, the this story here, but you'll you'll see what uh, where I'm going with this. Have you been watching the Dynasty about the New England Patriots? I think it's on I Apple TV. I think there are four episodes in. It's really really good, really good. But it was, I think it was Lawyer Malloy who talked about one year at the Super Bowl hotel, and he complained because the room now he wasn't rooming with anybody. But the rooms were too small. So he went up to Belichick to complain. Like, Belichick's got a million things on his mind. And he complained about his room being too small. And so Belichick said, here, take my room. So he gave him his room. I guess he had the the suite, the big president suite. And Malloy had that for the whole week for the Super Bowl because he bellyached about it. But my point being is it's all about the players. And here's a coach the goat bending over backwards and saying, I, I don't need this right now. Take my room. It's not that important where you're sleeping, for goodness sakes. But if you're sleeping with a roommate, that's a little different yeah, story. I, like they, they say the Tampa Bay Buccaneers allow you to buy out of the roommate requirement for $1,750 a year. Really? Like we're getting that petty? Like you need $1,750 from each of these guys just to give them their own room? Like what are you... What are we doing? Pitching pennies. You're, That's what you're, we're doing. Your organization's probably worth $5 billion. And you're asking guys to pay you $1,750 to get out of having a roommate? Did you mention who's number one? The Dolphins and Vikings are one, two. They actually were one, two last year. They're one, two again this year. They flip flop, though. Last year, uh, I believe, yeah, Vikings were one last year, Dolphins two. This year, Dolphins won, Vikings two. And apparently, there's a pretty big separation between them and whoever's third. I think Green Bay might be third. Um, but those two, for two straight years, have finished atop. A quick NBA story before we take the break. According to Adrian Wojnarowski and his sources, the Charlotte Hornets are planning to hire Brooklyn Nets executive Jeff Peterson as the franchise's next head of basketball operations. He's 35 years of age. He will become the NBA's youngest lead front office executive. How old is Kleiman? Do you know? I'm not sure. Is Zach even 40? Do you know Zach Boyd? If Zach Kleiman's even 40 years old, but 35, Jeff Peterson takes over the Charlotte Hornets. All right, when we come back. Okay, so he's probably the he probably was the youngest. I think when he first, I know when he took over, I'm pretty sure he was the youngest, and he may have still been. I don't know. Wow, if he's 36 now, he's been at the helm for how many years now? Five years. So wait, he was 31. I knew he was really, really young. 31 when he took over. Yeah, what was his? I don't remember what the first year was. That was. Was it the Jaron draft? Jaws or Jaws draft? Rookie year. The Jaw draft was their first. Yeah. Must be nice <laughs> to have but that I one. I mean, if you want to get real specific, you could say the Jaron draft is what he, is when he could took uh, when he took over. So. Well, that's what I'm saying. Which was the first draft? Was it did they draft Jaron or did they draft? They. Uh, I don't think they drafted. Officially, they drafted Ja, but because of the whole uh, organizational, uh, the structure of the organization with Chris Wallace and everything. But I'm saying that's like yeah, Chris Wallace was still in charge when they drafted Jaron, right? But Kleiman was on on staff. He he was he was part of the organization. That's what you're saying. Uh, and, right. and when we come back, I'm gonna I'm gonna go through these these NBA numbers again and why scoring's up and why the idea of trying to lower it is dumb. 
Also coming up at 925, Michael Wallace will join us from Grind City Media. You're tuned in to Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM.